another podcast land. You have such a doubt once again in Combat Sports with Rhino, episode 174. Holy smokes. Our guest a little bit later on going 10 rounds of Rhino, 12 and 4. PFL light heavyweight, Ty Big Medicine Flores. It is an interesting, cool interview. I'm really looking forward to his fight with Christoph Jocko coming up soon. So make sure you stick around and check that one out. All right. So our intro and our schedule is as follows. We are going to have our full breakdown of the massive UFC 288 card from last night in New Jersey, our drop of the night, picks for Fight Night Charlotte, also known as UFC on ABC4, just quick results from the Canelo Alvarez undisputed title fight from last night, um, some Q&A with members of the Rhino gang and the aforementioned PFL light heavyweight Ty Flores is the latest fighter to go 10 rounds of Rhino. So without further ado, D Reigns, let's get our swim trucks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. So our first fight from UFC 288 last night was Rhino Gang member Joseph Ugly Man Holmes versus Claudio Ribeiro. Uh, nice leg kicks uh, early from Holmes. You know, that straight stomp technique to like the oblique kick. He was doing that nice early. Ribeiro got the takedown, got some nice ground and pound. Uh, a big right hand and a huge knee put Joseph down. Claudio stood on his feet, landing some big shots from there on uh, Joseph on the ground. Got the TKO on the second new to ground and pound. Nice win for Claudio Ribeiro there at 185 pounds. All right. getting Staying at 185 pounds or middleweight. We, thank you, champ. We had <laughs> Phil Hawes versus Ikram Alaskarov. And Phil looked great. Not just physically, but like early on, he was sticking that jab. Landing some hard kicks to the body. was looking pretty fucking slick. And then, holy shit, Ikram, <laughs> he lands a knee to the body. Followed by a crisp one, two, that puts Phil Hawes not just down, but clean out, bro. Ikram Alaskarov KO in the first round over Phil Hawes. Wowza. All right. Getting into the big boys, we had our recent um, Rhino Gang member, Braxton Smith, making his UFC debut against old school Rhino Gang member, Parker Porter. Um, Braxton came out throwing really hard. He, he clipped Parker a couple times, but basically Parker was doing a good job of getting his head on a swivel out of the way, blocking. Eventually he got the, um, you know, he hit him hard with a nice knee to the body, kind of the solar plexus. Braxton Smith kind of took a shot in on him. Parker Porter sprawled out. Climbed over on his back, swung around, was landing some really hard uh, ground and pound. Braxton Smith, I think, was hurt from that. Um, was hurt from that knee to the body, and he was just really uh, that took a lot of the wind out of him. So Parker Porter got the TKO in the first round in that one. Okay, moving into 115 pounds, we had Virna Jandaroba versus Marina Rodriguez, and dude, the narrative of this fight is real easy. When they're on the feet, Marina had you know did a good job of landing. Or I'm sorry, Marina did a good job of landing her jabs, but Virna was able to take her down over and over again. Had top control, nothing super damaging, nothing super amazing, but very clear cut unanimous decision for Virna Janaroba over Marina Rodriguez in that one at 115 pounds. All right, let's get into our fifth fight, which came from Chaos Williams versus Rolando Bedoya, and dude, Chaos being from Detroit. I want to be a huge fan of his. I, I think he has some really, he's got some good explosive power. He has hard, you know, hard punches and kicks. He's just kind of frustrating the way that he doesn't seem to ever want to throw them straight. He wants to always loop and load up both on the punches and the kicks, which makes him susceptible to counters, um, which seems to tire him out sometimes. But again, 
him and the new kid from Peru, Rolando Bedoya, they had a heck of a fight last night. Back and forth, Rolando's jabs were really kind of his best weapon. Chaos had a few really hard, wide winging punches that seemed to land. But again, very close, very back and forth fight. Chaos Williams got the split decision. I actually gave it to Rolando Bedoya, two to one, but I could totally see Chaos getting the nod there. Definitely no robbery, close fight. So Chaos Williams gets a split decision over Rolando Bedoya, who I think we will for sure uh, see again soon. Moving in our 6 one at 205, we had Devin Clark, Rhino Gang versus Kennedy and Zetchku. And wow, this one was crazy. So Kennedy, as we all know, is six foot five, super tall, super rangy. Devin, about you know, six foot tall, seemed to have a hard time getting inside. But when he did, he landed a crushing big right hand, which knocked Kennedy backwards, dude. Hurt him bad. Um, a nice knee, a nice elbow. And then Kennedy in the second put um, Devin Clark, after beating him up pretty good towards the end of the first, put him back into the cage right away, put him in the clinch, had some knees to the body, uh, puts him in a beautiful front standing guillotine, chokes him out in the second round. Submission win for Kennedy and Zetchku over Devin Clark at 205 pounds. All right. Moving into 155 pounds, we had Drew Dober versus Matt Frivola, which we were all anticipating was going to be fucking full of violence. And it was. <laughs> Drew Dober, Matt Frivola, they both come out and are just fucking swinging. Matt with that left hand, Drew Dober with the ones and twos, both guys landing punches early. A Superman punch from Frivola really seemed to crack Drew Dober, bloody up his nose. Then a left hook, right hook dropped Dober, finished him off with a couple of uh, beautiful shots of ground and pound. Matt Frivola with the incredible first round TKO over Drew Dober at 155 pounds. That was awesome. I fucking loved it. Kudos to both guys for putting on the show while it lasted. All right. Not necessarily putting on the same kind of show as our leadoff into the main card with Cron Gracie versus Charles Air Jordan. On the feet, Charles was just lighting Cron up. A beautiful uppercut. Jabs. Knees, you know, uh, leg kicks. Charles Jordan looked great. But then Cron Gracie did pull guard. Um, he was trying to throw up some submissions. Charles Air Jordan was just defending. Basically, every time it was on the feet, Charles Charles Jordan was doing a great job of landing, not getting hit. Cron Gracie definitely wanted to take it to the ground. Looked like a fish out of water a lot on the feet. Charles Jordan with a very clear-cut uh, unanimous decision in that one at 145 pounds. Okay. Staying at 145. Holy shit, man. <laughs> okay. So we were all really stoked for Movsar Evil Lab versus Bryce Mitchell. I know I was. A lot of people were really excited. Bryce gets hurt very close to fight time, has to pull out. They fill the slot with Diego Lopez. Diego Lopez, a Dana White Contender Series winner, a very, you know, newcomer to the UFC. I think we all thought that it was going to be Mofsar Evola with a 16-0 shiny, pristine record come in and steamroll this kid. Not the fucking case, dude. I mean, I couldn't believe how confident Diego looked in there, how fucking... He's strong. He looked how he had no like fucking jitters. No, no, uh, one of the octagon jitters is what I was looking for. He he came forward. He was landing hard shots. He wobbled Mozart Evolev in the first round, dude. He looked great. Uh, late in the first, there was a um, there was a triangle attempt. Uh, in the second, a lot of more back and forth until the until, until the takedown from Mozart Evolev. Um, he had some nice ground and pound all the way through the end of the second. In the third, you know, punch exchanges, some nice submission attempts, some scrambles. I mean, it was a really fun, high intensity, high, you know, high awesomeness fight, and totally, uh, totally came out of nowhere. Diego Lopez, man, they got the they got the uh, 
They got the fight bonus for fight of the night last night. What an impressive fucking display by this kid. Most our evil love definitely did enough to win, got the UD, but my God, the story is Diego Lopez, and I'm really stoked that he got uh, the 50K bonus because, wow, what a performance on such short notice against a great fighter like Evolev. Okay, let's move into 115 pounds. We didn't have to wait long for this one, man. So last week when Filthy Casual and I were talking about it, I said, and she agreed, <clears throat> we thought the first round was going to be very competitive. Um, I thought Jessica Andrade and Jan Shonan were going to have – just a back and forth fucking ebb and flow of both hurting each other in the first round. And then I thought Jessica was going to kind of take over in the second and the third. But we didn't have to fucking find out because we didn't even get there. Jessica Andraz throws a three-punch left hook combo and all three missed. Jan Shonan is backing up, backing up, ducking, dodging, getting out of the way. Then she plants, throws a hard overhand right, which is like amplified because Jessica Andraz is moving forward. Really cracks her on the jaw. She goes down. Jan Shonan, a couple of hammer fists for good measure. TKO in the first round for Jan Shonan over Jessica Andrade. Really surprising to me. What an impressive fucking performance. Holy shit. That was awesome. Okay. Moving into what was, again, a lot of people have their strong feelings about Bilal Muhammad, right? <laughs> so, but when you put him in a five-round fight, Bilal Muhammad has the gas tank. He has the pro experience to know when to throw and know when to move know when to engage know when to get out of the way not take a lot of damage he absolutely absolutely implemented his game plan last night with the forward movement with the jabs with the body kicks with the leg kicks the hit not get hit gilbert burns arm seemed to be compromised i think they said they thought it was after the the third round so he couldn't barely you know, do much with it for the remainder of the fight. But Bilal Muhammad, I'm not going to use the word dominant because that's too strong, but just on the precipice of dominant all five rounds, Bilal Muhammad got the very clear-cut unanimous decision over Gilbert Burns at 170 pounds. Bilal Muhammad, man, he's really making his case um, for a title shot, and we'll see We'll see what goes on again. I don't, I don't think Colby deserves it at all, and that's not just because I'm not a Colby fan, but I really just don't. So, um yeah, we'll see how Bilal Muhammad, how this all kind of plays out in the end. Okay, moving into our main event. 135-pound championship is on the line. Aljamain Sterling versus Henry Cejudo, or Triple C, if you will. <laughs> so, from the very beginning, dude, super close. Uh, back and forth fight. I, as I watched it live, and again, that's late for the old Rhino, and I was pretty tired eyes, but I was watching. It, from the eye test, it looked so close. I wasn't sure, you know, who was winning some of these rounds. I mean, it was that close. When it came down to it, and you look at the stats, Aljo did outland Triple C by 43 strikes, 186 to 143. He had the additional takedown at four to three, and then he had more top control. And I seemed it seemed like he had a little bit more damage. You know what I mean? Some of those punches had a little bit more oomph on them. They were a little bit harder. Uh, they seemed to lump up uh, Henry Cejudo's face a little bit, whereas Aljo looked clean as a whistle afterwards. Again, super close. I gave Aljamain for sure the first three, and then Henry probably the second two, or the last two, so four and five. But again, super duper razor close. I would have no problem had Henry Cejudo won that fight last night, but they ended up giving the split decision to the champion, Aljamain Sterling. Impressive by both guys. Again, not a super damaging fight, but high-paced, a lot of stuff thrown, not a ton landed, but again, a good overall fight, very, very close. Aljamain retains. Henderson Udo's not sure if he's going to retire or not, so we'll see how that all unfolds. And then probably the best part was afterwards when Sugar Sean O'Malley comes in to confront Aljo, takes his jacket off, and Mira Abdul puts the coat on, and I think he left with <laughs> so like, 
It's just so funny. It's one of those things that can only happen in MMA, which I just, I fucking love. And um, yeah, big, big shout out to Mir Abdullah really for pulling one over on Sugar Sean. So, all right. That is going to be our total for our recap from UFC 288. Just real quick, the results from last night's um, unification bout or, or undisputed 168 pound super middleweight championship uh, between Canelo Alvarez and I know his last name is Ryder. What's his first name? Oh, gosh. Uh, John Ryder. So, yeah, Canelo Alvarez beat John Ryder by unanimous decision in the 12th after 12 in that one. Yeah, you can tell how excited I was about it because I didn't even know the other guy's name. <laughs> so we actually do have a question about that um, in the Rhino Gang Q&A a little bit later on, so check that one out. All right. So let's get into our drop of the night. Our drop of the night definitely for me goes from Ikram Alaskarov with his huge KO over Phil Hawes with that one-two. Unbelievable stuff. That guy is going to be a problem. Even Kazmat Shemayev says he's his hardest opponent he has ever fought. And that's a huge feather in that young man's cap. So we will see what's next for him. All right. So next week, we are going to have, um, it's called two things, I guess. And we'll see which one ends up winning on Twitter. But you could call it UFC Fight Night Charlotte or UFC on ABC4. So here are our main card picks for that one. So I've got Alex Morono beating Tim Dirty Bird Means by a clear unanimous decision in that one. That's at 170. At 115 pounds, we've got, oh, Mackenzie Dern. Hmm. <laughs> Beating Angela Hill by submission via guillotine choke in the second. At 170, one of my favorite fighters in the world, uh, Daniel Rodriguez or D-Rod beating Ian Machado-Geary by TKO in the third round. At 205 pounds, we had goofy Johnny Walker. I think he's going to beat Anthony Smith by TKO in the third via standing in an exchange. And then finally at 265, I think Jailton Almeida is going to run through Jairzinho Rosenstrike. I think it's going to be TKO in the first round, ground and pound, for Jailton Almeida over Jairzinho Rosenstrike. All right. Let's go ahead and get our Q&A with some members of the Rhino Gang. And our first one comes from our dear friend, our homie MMA by Milliken. And Milliken asks us. Now, I don't have a co-host this week, fam, so i got to do the – I got to do the reading and the, and the response, so bear with me if I'm a little bit off on this. But he says, one championship has single-round fights for their grappling matches. Ten minutes, no draws. What are my thoughts on this? Um, and that's his question for today's show. So basically, buddy, I think it's cool. I'm not the biggest grappling guy in the world. I'm not like a humongous grappling fan, or I know everybody who does this, that, the other, or all the names of every single possible move in the world. But I certainly do like that they are being unique. They are being different. I would not want to watch three five-minute rounds of a grappling match, especially in the middle of a Muay Thai and MMA card. You know what I mean? But I think one 10-minute round is pretty cool my only concern would be that it would be some stalemates if you got two really high level guys who could kind of cancel each other out a lot on the ground and when we see that in mma they usually stand up and bang it out we don't have that option in a, in a jiu-jitsu match or in a grappling match so that would be my only concern but again if you're going to do it and it's two guys who are finishers one 10 minute round i think that's pretty cool and it's kind of maybe adds a little bit of a different flavor to a card that one puts on so yeah i think it's very cool dude and uh Milliken, if you guys haven't checked him out, check out MMA by Milliken. Great show, fun show, really awesome dude. So, Milliken, thank you very much, my broski. All right, let's get into our next writing question, which comes from the homie, the Rage of Sweet Potato, and RSP says, Henry Cejudo attempting to come back after three years away from the sport has me feeling nostalgic. Well, RSP, I'm like king of nostalgia, so I'm right there with you. Who are some other retiders, retiders, 
Yeah. Who are some other retired fighters that you would like to see compete again one last time? Well, for me, buddy, the top of the list is GSP. I know he still trains. I know he still trains hard because he doesn't know any other way to do it. Uh, he's in great shape, even at 41. I think if given like eight to 10 weeks to focus on anyone, and I mean anyone, from 170 through 185 pounds, that would be, at minimum, he would be he would be competitive. But like at the maximum or at the best, I think he could beat them, really. Anybody from 170 through 185, you give GSP 10 weeks to prepare for one single person, I think he's for sure going to be competitive and possibly win. So that would be my main answer for like selfish reasons, kind of devious and shitty reasons that I have. I'd love Ronda to come back and finally fight Cyborg at like 145, 145 pounds, and then just take a hellacious beating, dude. That'd be that'd just be something that like the sick part of me would love to see. But yeah, basically my real answer is George St. Pierre, because I think even at his age um, and with the miles on him, I still think he could be super ultra competitive at either welter or middleweight. So that is my answer on that one. Thank you very much, RSP. All right, staying in Canada, we got our homie D. Kranz, and D. Kranz asks, have there been any recent call-outs that make sense to you and you really want to see? I need to see Steamrolla absolutely fucking flatline Patty the Batty badly. Do you think the UFC will give us that one? And much love, Rhino. Also, holy fuck, Frivola looked great. Well, yes, yes, he did. And, dude, you hit the nail on the head with Frivola versus Patty. I think that would be fantastic, and I think it's going to be – um, you know, a barn burner while it lasts. And I think Frivola might get that one done, to be honest with you. But as far as, like, what other call-outs lately that I really want to see and that I think were really, like, warranted and perfect, just last week, dude, Kyle Bahio, all all that guy has done is win, dude. He looks so good as of late. He called out Derek Brunson on the mic. I think that's actually a real possibility. I think it's a perfect test for him at this point in his career for the young Brazilian middleweight. I love that matchup, Derek Brunson's kind of one foot in, one foot out. Kyle is on his fucking upward trajectory. So, dude, I am all in on Kyle Bahio versus Derek Brunson. I think that'll be a great fight. I think it actually will happen. So, great question, D. Crowns. Thank you very much, my dude. All right. Our next one comes from my homie, the Doc. And Doc says, was this the least promoted Canelo fight in the history of his career? <laughs> so, <clears throat> no, I don't think it's the history. But, like, recent memory, yeah, dude. Like Doc said, he didn't even know that he was fighting until he saw it on a, on a like a blurb online last night. Yeah, this was very, very poorly promoted in mainstream media for sure, dude. Um, there was very little mainstream publicity for this fight with Ryder. To be fair, like Ryder's not a big name, dude. And only for like the, like the boxing heads, right? Like the guys in the boxing world, they know him. But as far as, like, if you're not a boxing head, you don't know this dude. I barely know this dude, and I watch a lot of boxing. So unless it's a big household type of name versus Canelo, then it's just a Canelo fight versus some other dude. And most people aren't really going to fucking want to tune into that unless you're just a huge Canelo fan and want to see him beat somebody's ass for 12 rounds, which apparently is what happened last night. So, yeah, this was not a very well-publicized uh, Canelo fight. Normally they are much bigger. They get much more commercial time and so on and so forth. So yeah, not a very good job. But again, I don't. I just don't think it was. I would like to see the numbers uh, at some point in the next couple of days and see how they did because I don't think it's gonna be very good. So that is my answer on that one. Thank you very much, Doc. All right, D Reigns. We have our voice question coming from Ty the Fly Guy. Ty, what do you got for us this week, dude? Hey, Rhino. It is Ty. Um, that's what I was saying. Um. 
right, I tried to pronounce this so many times before I left this voicemail, but Kane is. Kennedy Nizekju had a really good fight against Devin Clark. And he's on a three-fight winning streak. Um, so my question for you is going to be short and sweet. How high do you think Kennedy's ceiling is in the UFC? Because a light heavyweight that can knock you out or submit you, it's insane. So what do you think is the path for Kennedy now. Do you think he could be champion, top 15? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. But let me know what you think. I love the show, and I'll catch you later. Peace. Yeah, buddy, I think he's got a super upside. I said this, like, I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago, whenever I um, whenever I co-host, guest co-host, the Steffi Haynes show for Buddy, for buddy Elbow, I talked about Kennedy very in-depth. I think his size... Dude, that's unmatched at 205, really. His well-roundedness. His constant improvement is probably his most impressive. We saw last night, he got a hell of a chin. He took a huge shot from Clark and was able to come back and win. I think he, he trains with a really great team. His overall character, which we know about from you know the situation with his mother and being her caretaker for all that time, and then also training at the same time. High character, dude. I think he, the sky is the limit for him. I would love to see him in the next couple of years keep maturing, keep moving forward, keep winning. I do think he is championship material now. <clears throat> is he ready anytime soon for a title shot? No, I don't think so. He needs quite a bit more seasoning. But if you talk about does he have the chops to get there someday, I really think he does. And I do think we will see him at least contend for a title before he hangs the gloves up in the next five or six years. So, yes, Kennedy and Zetchku, I think, is a title contender for sure and possibly a titleist. So, Ty, great question, my dude. We appreciate you. All right, let's go ahead and get into our 10 rounds with Rhino with Ty Big Medicine Flores after a quick word from our sponsor, K&R Designs. Hey, Rhino gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? Well, look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Ah, oh, fight fam, we got ourselves another fantastic guest going 10 rounds of Rhino with us today. PFL light heavyweight, 12 and 4. Ty, Big Medicine Flores is here tonight. Ty, thank you so much for joining us, sir. Yeah, no problem, man. Glad to be on. Yeah, dude, we are super stoked to have you. So basically, homie, the first round with Rhino was always the same. I love getting the origin story. What's the background of how you first got involved in this crazy, wacky world of MMA, dude? 
Uh, I was actually a soccer player, and uh, I wrestled a little bit before, and then, I don't know, I just always wanted to kickbox, so I started doing that and doing jiu-jitsu, and I was competitive. I decided not to play soccer in college, and, you know, wasn't really my sport. And so, you know, once I started doing fighting, it just kind of fell in love with it. So kickboxing kind of led into, that was kind of the, that was kind of the, the leader that got you right into the, into the MMA world. Yeah, definitely. Very cool. My dude, we have a lot of guys in the, in the landscape of MMA who started out with soccer. Jose Aldo always leads to mind, you know, Habib soccer seems to be a very big, uh, very big lead in sports. So absolutely. My dude. So your next scrap is June 8th for the PFL regular season four against longtime UFC veteran, Christoph Jocko. Are you the type of fighter who likes to film and watch your opponents um, before as you lead up to a fight, or you kind of leave that to the coaches? Uh, no, I mean, me and my coaches sat down, and, and we watched a little bit of film, and I think we actually saw his last fight live. Um, but, I mean, we saw what we needed to, you know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't overwatch it, you know what I mean? Like, I'll watch recent fights, and, you know, I know some guys study it kind of meticulously, and... I don't know. I mean, there's something to be said for that, but I feel like they can kind of work against you if you study too much, you know? Like, I'm just looking for tendencies, things he does well, things he doesn't do well, and at the end of the day, it's just, you know, I'm going to go in there and impose my will, so I'm more focused on what I'm going to do and less on what he's going to do. Absolutely, my dude. Now, as we were recording this, you just fought a month ago in uh, PFL, earning a victory over uh, Delon Monte. What, I mean, whenever we fight, we definitely find some things when we watch it back, like, okay, that was going really well. I was doing that well. I was doing that correctly. And then I'm like, fuck, I wish I would have improved on that. What was like a positive aspect of your last fight? And then what's one fight, like part of the fight you wanted to like, uh, I really want to tune that up a little bit before my next one. Uh, so, I mean, a positive was, uh, I would say I stuck to the game plan really well. Um, I mean, boxing defense was really good. That's a guy that had like all first round finishes, yeah. nine, nine or 10 <laughs> first round finishes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, he, he kind of hit me with some uppercuts in the clinch, but, I mean, that was something that, like, I knew he was going to throw it. You know, I just didn't respect the power from there. But in terms of, you know, just standing out in the open and striking, you know, he didn't, not that I remember at least, I don't think he hit me with anything that was, you know, too crazy. So, I mean, the boxing defense and, and sticking exactly to the game plan, like what we wanted. Um, something to improve upon, I mean... I don't know. I feel like if I really, really wanted to finish, I could have done it, but I was just, um, I mean, I was kind of getting used to it. To be honest, dude, like I, I, I kind of knew this, but I kind of forgot about it (laughs) about two or three days before that you weren't allowed to throw elbows and elbows. I mean, just not even just for me, but for the entire elevation fight team, it's a pretty big part of our game plan from striking and to the ground. So it was definitely a little bit different. So that kind of threw me off a little bit. It was a little frustrating because a lot of the fight happened on the ground or against the cage. But, you know, it's something we've been working on a lot this camp. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Literally on my last episode, I was talking all kinds of – because I love the PFL. I really do. Um, I was yeah. just talking shit about that one aspect. I was like, why the fuck aren't there elbows? And my co-host brought up – and I think, the, I think the reason behind it is because it's tournament format. They think the elbows will open up more cuts than something else. I think that's their reasoning behind it. But I'm not buying it, dude. I think there should be elbows in all fucking promotions of MMA. That's just my. I mean, it's he still cut me with punches, and you can still right. get cut with knees. And what what's really silly, like, sure, if you want to do it for the regular season, I guess. But why do it in the playoffs? And specifically, why not allow elbows in the championship fight? That's the 
dumbest fucking thing for me. Like, I, I don't, I don't really get it. You know, like, I'm not trying to. I'm not talking shit. Like a lot of no. it's a great tournament, but it is like, why are we not allowed to throw elbows in the championship fight? Like a million dollars is on the line, a world title. Like, what are we really doing here? I knew I was doing the right thing by reaching out to you, Ty. I just knew it. I was like, this is the dude <laughs> I want to have on, and I see this is exactly what I'm talking about. All right, great. So, dude, you, you've been on a really good streak as of late, dude. You won five of your last six. You look more crisp on your feet than ever before. You just, you're, you're peaking at a really good time of your career. What would you say has been the biggest reason for your success on this run over the last couple of years, my dude? Um, I mean, just even the past couple of months, it was one of those things where it's like I've been pro for a while and. I don't think I ever lost my passion for MMA, but I definitely lost my focus a little bit. And it was kind of like, you know, when I moved to Denver, I think I was 25 around there, 24, 25. And then all of a sudden, you know, I turned 29 in December and I'm like, shit, man, like I'm not old, but you know, I'm definitely not, you know, like in my early twenties anymore. I think I made my pro debut when I was 21. Yeah. I fought some tough dudes. So it was just kind of like, Hey man, like I got a, it was just a mentality shift to be honest with you. Like, you know, more present in every single training session. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's like weird, man. Like there's like a weird dichotomy of like fight camp kind of takes forever, but then at the same time it, it, it doesn't, it goes by so quick. Cause it's like, you know, tomorrow I have this to do and then that to do. And then Wednesday, like my whole week's planned out and it's, you know, all just around specific training sessions. So it's like, the days are really long, but the weeks are really short, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a great answer. So it has been 10 years, Ty, uh, since you first started the amateurs. We all approve upon things across the board in our MMA game, in our fight game, and what we do. But you got there's got to be something that you would tell that kid, that young Ty Flores, like, hey, dude, you know, do this or don't do that as far as when you were first starting out. What do you think that piece of advice would be? um definitely don't be afraid to put both feet in you know i'm like i've had other jobs and i've been kind of one of those things like oh i gotta have a fallback plan and like i mean there is something to kind of be said about just you know going all the way in and then just going for it and then not trying to you know be 90 percent in or 95 it's like you know that can work out really well but at the same time it's like uh you know, there's something to do with the mentality of just like now, like this is just my main and only focus right now. And it, it pretty much has been even with work, but it's, it, it is something where it's like, you know, like don't let like fighting something where it's like, you just have to have all of your attention, focus, emotions, all of that. And, uh, be careful about outside factors letting in because a lot of that will happen. And you don't even realize it, you know? Yeah, absolutely, dude. Now we, we immerse our, ourselves you know i was a pro fighter for 13 fucking years we immerse ourselves in the sport especially when you know we're trying to string fights and fight camps together and then when we're not in a fight camp for ourselves we're helping one of our teammates get ready for fights so we're totally submerged right. and immersed in this world but we got to have some time away sometimes dude you got to re replenish your mind fucking just relax find some downtime where you can when you do get those opportunities what are some things you like to do to just be away from the gym away from fighting and just kind of chill out uh, i do a lot of hunting so i mean just about every trip i can i try and uh you know the week or so after i try and go do you know some type of hunt you know kind of take my mind off of it it's kind of nice you know what i mean because it's you know after a fight after you get a big win it's like you almost have like a weight lifted off your shoulders and it's like yeah. especially with pfl like you know you're not gonna fight for eight to ten weeks so it's like 
that week after the fight or so was fucking awesome because it's like I don't have to think about it. Like all I, you know, I can just be not have to worry about it at all. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna eat. I'm gonna eat food. I'm gonna go, you know, hunt, have a good time, have a couple beers, you know, and uh, you know that, that that's typically what I like to do. Definitely, dude. Now I'm glad you brought that up because that perfectly segues into our next round. And that's what are some things or what's the the first thing you really like to get after the fight's off? The pressure's off. You've already had to, you know, take some things off of your diet for that time leading up to the fight. But now the fight's over. You get to relax, really indulge in something you've deprived yourself of. What do you want to go for, like, post-fight, dude? What's the meal? The meal? I don't know that I have a, a specific meal. Like, I don't... It's weird, man. I always, like, crave certain things. And then, like, I, I always crave beer. Like, I'm not, like, a huge drinker. But when I'm, like, in the sauna, like, fight week, you know, I'm like, God, dude, I just want a fucking beer. And then it's, like, <laughs> that first beer you have after always sucks. I mean, I don't know about you. Yeah. But for me, it's always, like, man, like, I really just gas this up way more in my head. Or, I don't know, I just, just got to maybe stop drinking Bud Lights. But, um, I mean, first meal, I don't really know if I have, like, a first meal. Okay. Or like a, a meal, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's a, it's it's sporadic, you know. It just kind of depends. Like you know, after the fight, this time we went to the Korean barbecue and it was pretty good. So I mean, that, that hit the spot. So fuck yeah, dude, that shit is so good. All right, it it's is not, good. We have, we have careened our way into the tenth round with the Rhino, which is just the easiest round of them all, dude. Can you share your social medias with us or my friends, my family, and the Rhino gang? We can all follow you along in your career moving forward and keep tabs as you try to go for that million dollars this time and forward even after that. So just share your social medias with us, dude. Yeah, it's uh, Ty Flores 205. That's on IG? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No Twitter, Facebook? We're just strictly IG? Uh, Facebook, I think I'm Ty Flores or Ty Daniel. Um, and then Twitter, I had a Twitter, I deleted it. I should probably get back on it, but, <laughs> but just too many social medias, man. Sure. IG is the place to go though. To follow Ty. All right. Well, Ty, dude, we are super stoked to have had you on tonight. We really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, it just, you know, from where we're sitting right now, we're only about five weeks away from the next scrap in PFL regular season four against Christoph Jocko. We wish you the best of luck and best of skill, my dude. And fucking, we really, really appreciate you taking the time tonight. Awesome, man. Thank you for having me on. This is Ty, Big Medicine Flores, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Ty, dude, we really appreciate it. We are super looking forward to your fight with Christoph Jocko and your attempt to get that million dollars, dude. We wish you best of luck and best of skill. We really appreciate you taking the time out to go 10 rounds with Rhino, my dude. So thank you very much. All right, let's get into our shout-outs and our outro, fam, to our forum contributors, to MMA by Milliken, to the Raging Sweet Potato, to my homie D-Crons, to the Doc, to tie the fly guy from front kicks and throat cuddles. To your co-host for today, Rhino. <laughs> to some members of the Rhino gang, to Chisanga, Kairos, Steffi, Shannon, and Gina from the PRG, Ashley the MMA nerd, Ms. Fight Diva, Fabian the Man of Mayhem, Hunter, Dylan, Sammy, Tempting Tory, Chris, Cyrus King, or Jamal, the son of Thomas McTavish Clan. But we prefer Cyrus King because he's our king. That's our guy, sir. All right, Jason, Jillian, Chrissy, Monica, and Katie, my underdog and my main peeps. Jillian, you know we love you. You're the champ to us. I know it was a tough fight for you for Invicta last week, but we think you're going to be right back on the saddle, dude. Get back in there, get a couple wins, and get another shot of that title and win it. So we love you, Jillian. Oh, we also want to do, um, I want to give a shout-out to my special beloved Rhino Gang, GC. Love all you guys, Rhino Gang, Gang, Gang. 
And then we want to send just a special message to our dear friend, our big homie, Jim Asun, um, whose beautiful, wonderful, lovely wife passed, uh, unfortunately, this week. Jim, you're, you're our OG, you're our friend, you're our family, you're our brother. If you need to reach out and talk to any of us, dude, please do. We're all here for you. We all love you, OG. So fly high, Denise, sending all the love to the Asun family. To the future player, Drea. To D. Reigns, the best engineer in the biz. To J at JMMA4 on Twitter or at JMMA on YouTube. Check your stuff out. Phenomenal content creator. Jay, your poster this week for Ty is once again out of this park. Amazing. So thank you very much, my dude. As we love to say around here week after week, we want you guys to reconnect with somebody. We hope you work hard at your jobs. We have to adapt and be flexible at times, fam. I know it's hard for me. It's hard for a lot of people to be like, flexible and adaptive to things that are going on in our world, but I really implore you to try. I got to remind myself of that all the time too, as we love to also say around here week after week, love is greater than hate. And we will see you next week. Kate Sun!